Sandy, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing fabulous, how are you? Yeah, very good, very good. It's good to see your face after, well, we definitely worked out it was pre-pandemic, um, and I visited your, your very cool clinic. Um, I think that would have been 2018? 2018, yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. This goes so fast, it feels like it was just moments ago. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. But I've cut the world into pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, so. Yeah, it's it's kind of inevitable that that most conversations seem to sort of start that that way. Um, but um, but yeah, so how how's it been for you then? What what's how have things changed over the last year or so with everything that's going on? I think clinically, um, it's made it harder for some of my patients. Um, I, you know, as you and I have talked about a, a bunch of times that the context of your life matters for your pain and let's just call it chaotic. <laughs> so There's been so much that's out of people's control. And I think that that's really made a, a, a huge difference for some people and then like harder to control their pain. And then for other people, it's made it easier because they could control their pain, even though they couldn't control any of the other stuff that's happening. So it was almost like a, I've got this part, this piece I can do, and a, a different perspective on it. Um, not saying one's better than the other or anything. Just just watching people manage themselves amid this chaos. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. About, that's so, about it. So that's that's how it's felt to you, is it? This is sort of very chaotic, very chaotic time. Very much. There's there's a little. There's so little that we know about about what to predict and what to expect and the information changes constantly as people find out more, the researchers. And um, it has been a really fun, not really fun, but a very <laughs> necessary um, uh, re-livening of remembering epidemiology and virology and viral load in closed spaces and all of these things that I thought that I didn't need to know um, has been a, I'm really good at that now. Like, yeah. well, it's about viral load. And if we open it, like, I didn't know that was going to be a skill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I spend a lot of time not only helping people uh, come up with self-treatment management strategies, especially when we were all locked down and doing telehealth, mm. uh, which is a trick. Um, and then also the mixed, like, I don't want to go out. I could come see you. I'm safe there, but I'm not sure if I'm safe getting there. Um, those kind of things. So coming up with strategies and, and techniques people can use to continue healing amidst all of the unknowns around them. Yeah. 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 How, how did you find people responded to the offering saying, well, look, we can do this on the phone or, or online. How, how did you find people reacted to that? Most people were really, really hap happy and um, glad that they could stay connected um, in some way and, and continue to work on their own self in some way. I had two people, exactly two people, who were between offering to find me masks and other per personal protective equipment and filters because they were like, no, I really like I appreciate that, but I need to come in. I need that manual therapy component for the pelvic floor or my pain to be able to feel like it's going to change. Yeah. Um, so 
they were they were displeased that we were closed for a little bit and then well closed to in person we never stopped like we just transitioned to telehealth right away yeah. um and then and then as i opened back up they were the first two back like, yeah. like you're you're back you're back may 11th i will be there at nine o'clock <laughs> they were um, queuing at the door they were, they were ready <laughs> no there was no queuing <laughs> <laughs> I made it well me Sarah and I had these great discussions about um uh you know like all right we'll 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 have a hard 15 minutes between people and only one person at a time and only one therapist here at a time for a large part in the beginning and um we really just spread things out but we could because it's just us yeah. we didn't have to have large organizational meetings and run it past some other board of administrative somebody or others it was just Sarah, Sarah Haig, for any listener, my fabulous business partner, um, her, her and I could just have a, a logical discussion and make choices and go with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose that that made it easier on um, on that front. When when you talk about telehealth, I mean, my my first sort of thought is, oh, that that's on the phone. But do you mean like this as well, sort of Zoom or Skype? Yeah, yeah we have a. Um, to avoid any marketing, we have a, a, a electronic medical record program that's out of Canada, and it, it includes a, a virtual platform um, in the system. It's yeah. super easy. It's you just click the button on the screen in your schedule, and 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 there they are, like a little Zoom call. But it's HIPAA compliant, which we need here in the states, and. Um, no one can record it and it just, it's just very private. Yeah. Okay, great. And, and did you find that you had to adapt your ways at all through that process? Yes. Yes. Because I like to move and, and do a lot of like demonstrating and I, I wave my arms around a lot and, and, um, to, to try and get that amount of energy to the little green dot in your screen is, is interesting. And every once in a while, someone would be like, well, when I do this, it kind of hurts. And you like want to reach through the screen to say, what if you move? Right. I can't do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was interesting to make it be my words more than than my hands or a demonstration. Yeah. I mean, did you find yourself sort of trying to demonstrate with movement through the screen? Absolutely. And I would do things like 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 grab whatever's around me, like. Like, okay, so imagine that you're sitting on your therapy ball and this is you and those are your no, <laughs> just, yeah. And I would use whatever I had. And there was, um, was this one time I was home and, and like I grabbed a scarf and twisted it really quick into like a, a pretend body and was like, and so like you're doing this backwards with my little doll I had just made out of a scarf. <laughs> and it was, it made for some good visual humor, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and a really good way to say, look, you can take anything in your environment and use it. Um, so some creativity as well. Mm. So do, do you think in that way you've become a bit more adaptable? I think it refreshed some old adaptability. I started in PT working in pediatrics and um, a pretty severely disabled adult neurological population in places that didn't have a lot of equipment. So... So I, I will tease sometimes and say I was raised by occupational therapists in in the profession as of rehab. So that adaptability and using what you have on hand was 
kind of hard baked into my early PT years. Yeah. Um, I wasn't usually blessed with, with places with all the different kinds of equipments and, um, and options. And here in Chicago, if, if we don't have it, 12 stores down the street do, but mm. a lot of places are not like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting, isn't it? And and think of, you know, what what you would gain from learning in an environment like that, and then how you could bring it in, because, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of low tech for for helping people with pain. Um, yeah, it's portable. Low tech is portable. Yeah. And and no matter where they go, they can have it instead of well. You know, I don't have space in my apartment. It's a Chicago problem or at London too. It's like, no, I have this postage stamp that I live in. I cannot add something else. And not everyone has access to a gym or, or something. So you, you, to make those assumptions is, is challenging. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think then is the, is the minimum we need to work with someone suffering with persistent pain? An environment that feels safe because I don't even need a table um, I would like a yoga mat I'm getting old and <laughs> I don't know what the word is but precious I suppose <laughs> like, <laughs> like a little bit of padding but not really an, an environment that feels safe where because I, I want them to be able to relax much like the words you use of feeling what feeling what your body is telling you if you're in an environment that doesn't feel safe, that's really hard to do. And but safe could be anything like not hearing sirens or, or a door that closes or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good point is it? Because imagine that, you know, the beginnings of your pain was, um, you know, was a car accident or something like that. And then you're hearing sirens regularly through the day and what, what that could do, even without, um, without realizing people wouldn't necessarily. Right. How thing. alert do you get? And that's been my, <laughs> my problem in Chicago. I, you know, I, I, I lived on army posts around places, um, was married to an army guy. And, and there was always like, I trained myself to not startle when, when shell casings, exploded because it was always the range you know yeah. it's like you'd suddenly you'd hear artillery in the middle of the night and you're like in your part of your brain's going this is a problem you should be very alert and and maybe perhaps run quickly yeah. um and the other part's going oh man why do they do it at night and the so i got used to those noises but the sound of gunfire in a city that is not an army post my brain had a really hard time with that like I should run or I should go see what's wrong or wait, what do I do in this situation? So there was a lot of high tension moving into the city and I'm still like that with sirens because a siren to me means something's wrong, someone needs help yeah. or something's on fire. You should know that and you might need to leave. So they're never, it's never something I'm just like, oh, hey, that's a dog barking. It's, mm -hmm. it's an alert to me. Um, and I think that's, that is a very wordy way to say the meaning of stuff is, is important. So what sounds is that person hearing? What do those sounds mean to them? What, what's the lighting like in this room? What does lighting mean to them? Um, because for some of us, we'd think this is calm and nice and other people would find it threatening. Yeah. Um, yeah, a quiet room to some people 
is hard. Pure hell. Yeah, yeah. Like, like this is not okay. My my system is not fine with this. I need something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then you think about you know this this explosion of use of um, the internet to have sessions. And the fact that we are, in a sense, reaching into someone else's environment. You know, we got direct access to see what it's like and how they are in that environment and that they can also practice certain things immediately in that environment as opposed to doing it in the clinic and then having to take them home. Mm -hmm. Which is cool and also could be threatening. So, you know, I've been like, you don't have to have your camera on. We could do this on the phone if you'd rather. there's a lot of reasons people would not want you to see inside their house. Mm. Uh, I came, I came to my clinic very early in the morning because at the moment my place is a mess. (laughs) (laughs) I just moved and I couldn't figure out which box I'd want to put the camera on. So I was like, you know, I'll just go to the clinic. Um, There's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think it's, it's the kind of thing that translates to what, how we work in the clinic of you can turn the camera off. You'll be able to see me. And I don't need to see you if you are more comfortable with that. Or if someone's going to walk through the room and you don't want me to see them because it's your kid mm-hmm. and you're not comfortable with people looking at your kid or just all of those, those things people are comfortable or not comfortable with, I can adapt around that. I, yeah. don't have to, I don't have to make them uncomfortable for my comfort. And I think that if I'm working with someone in pain, it is really important that I don't make them uncomfortable for my comfort. Mm. It's going to be harder for them. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because it also gives you, you know, some insight into, for, for want of a better term, their kind of level of sensitivity or, or how they're dealing with, with life, the challenges that perhaps, you know, you might gently inquire, you know, if they say they'd rather not have the camera, would you be happy to tell me why? You know, there's no judgment here. We're just interested. Right. Is there another, I think I've, I've evolved to saying that <laughs> I've learned by getting it fabulously wrong. Um, <laughs> don't do that again. Um, the, I've evolved to, to, to ask um, what, what would make this most comfortable for you and just give them uh, an open-ended question yeah. um, and then it set it up like that. And, and then when I, get that feeling that they're a little comfortable, see if I can nudge some edges. Mm. Like, like, so this is really comfortable. What would be some ways that we could make it maybe a little less comfortable and see how you do with that? Yeah. Um, and, and start to push those boundaries of what kind of flexibility do you have in your system? Because unfortunately, and the, I, could, I could use the pandemic as that, we don't get to, we don't get to create the comfort around us all the time. So if under these circumstances, you can work on your movements or sitting tolerance or whatever we're working on and, and be okay and have that be within a tolerable load um, demand, then how can we, once we establish that and we had, can use it then as a rescue, you know, like that's my recovery place now yeah. is I had to work to get comfortable here, but now I'm comfortable here. So now this is my place of recovery. When I challenge, I can come back to it. Um, what ways do you want to start challenging yeah. and, and kind of work it like that? Uh, because then it still keeps it really therapeutic and curious and not nosy. 
<laughs> yes, we could we, we could easily be accused of being nosy. Um, and, and probably a kinder way to put it to us as a profession is that we are curious for, because we, we care and we want to help. Um, and, and we're party to lots of privileged information. I know, and I work in pelvic health. So, you know, when you, mm. there's, there's nothing more nosy than, well, how do you have sex? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, exactly. What position are you in? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a pretty intimate question. Um, it is, isn't it? it? It is because of our ways of, of, you know, and still, you know, things like talking about, you know, the genitals. So I used, I, I was thinking then, which word should I use? Let's say the genitals, which I don't think is a particularly nice word anyway. And to say, how are your genitals to someone? But, but it's, that would be fun, though. I might ask someone that today just to see how it goes. That yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to. Someone, someone you don't that. know or someone you know? Oh, someone I know, so oh. that they don't think I'm exceptionally odd. <laughs> I'd like to have them get to know me a little bit before they know I'm exceptionally odd. Um, but yeah, one of my one of my people that's come in, I know exactly who I'll ask. Yeah. She will find that hilarious and answer me probably in almost a British accent because that is, for my ears, that's like, oh, that's proper. All right, I'll sit up a little straighter. And, <laughs> um, but you have to ask, right? So if someone says it hurts, intimacy hurts. I'm not not intimate with my partner because it's painful. Well, I I do need to know what. Tell me about the pain. Sharp, stabby, dull, achy, burny, tarry. You know what what's going on with that? Where exactly do you feel it? When exactly do you feel it? And what are the variables that would make it worse or better? Mm. So you almost have to ask what parts going in which part. Or, or yeah, what's rubbing yeah. against what part when the like what is exactly happening in this situation and sometimes it's it's um their back hurts or it's their knee that's getting twisted or their elbow doesn't like the pressure and it's not in the pelvic girdle at all it's another musculoskeletal thing that's more about technique than than the particular health of a part yeah, yeah. you would never know that if you didn't ask the question how much of your work would you say then borders on on sex therapy? Um, <laughs> um, sex nosiness, <laughs> the mechanics. The the joke I tell my patients is I can make sex so not sexy because we're really talking about physics, like pre touch, pressure, shearing, those kind of qualitative. Leverly, exactly, yeah. and. Um, volume space you know those those gravity. kind of mechanical properties gravity yeah uh, load um the the how you feel about it how you feel about your partner what your expectations are with that i am absolutely blessed in chicago to have seven fabulous sex therapists that i can send someone to right to to get into that emotional component of it yeah. which is really really important and um, I can think of a few patients I'm working with that technically have the structural load capacity, tolerance of the tissues to have absolutely fabulous, enjoyable sex, but they are afraid to uh, okay. because it might hurt. Yeah. There are people I can refer them to that can help to get them into a, let's explore that. Let's get your partner in here. Let's get you guys talking about a, a progression through this progression back to intimacy I can get the structural part really comfortable. Now there are some public health physios who have gone to sexual counselor training 
um, which is fabulous and I would love to do it, but I have not. So I'm really cognizant of my barrier of, I can take you right up to here and then there's people that can take you the rest of the way yeah. or we work together at the same time. So what, what is that point? What, what, what is the point where you go, right now, now you need to explore some other things alongside this to complement what if, you're doing? If my ideas for, for graded exposure to intimacy um, don't, don't seem to be a comfortable thing for them. And, and I have used all seven of my, <laughs> of, of my, have you, you know, what about this or this or this or this or this? And, and what do you think about that? And they're like, mm. and it's like, is there something about this that bothers you? Like, you're just, you're just bothered by this. And like, yeah. And I said, would you like someone whose job it is to figure that out, to talk to you um, about what is the bother here? Cause can we agree that mechanically <laughs> you've got the skills? Yeah. But that's like saying, I know how to dive off a diving board. And yet that, that leap of faith, literally to dive off the diving board is a thing. And yeah. also why there are sports psychologists to be like, what's the, what's the barrier? What's stopping you from going here? Yeah. And it's a very, very normal thing. It's like you see it in, in horses when they come up to a, a jump and decide they're not going to go and they stop. There was something that was like, nope, and they, they don't do it. Yeah. We, you got to explore that. What is that? Um, so when, when my ideas for that don't work, then, then I refer them to someone with more training, more ideas. Yeah, yeah. And of course, these things can, can run deep and, and have a long, a long, long history. So much. And, it, and they can be with someone that's skilled in getting to what it is, then the, the resolution can be simple and elegant with someone who's fumbling around with a bunch of trial and errors, which would be me, it could take longer than it needs to. Yeah. And that's usually how I sell it to my patients. It's like, look, we can keep, I can keep coming up with ideas, but I suspect that if you talk to someone who, that does this for a living, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that it might be easier Yeah. And, and take less time and, and sit better with your system. Yeah. Well, what kind of things would you, would you flag up as, ah, right, this, this person I think is likely to need that kind of extra image? When I, when I mention, I'm thinking of a particular person, when after doing an assessment of rectal, vaginal, genital assessment, whatever, of, of tolerance to touch and pressure and movement and, and all of these things, I say, have you considered um, you know, having sex with your partner? their breath rate changes, their posture changes. They get that, how, where's the exit? How fast can I get out of here? Look, um, there is something else going on. And, and they are clearly not willing to talk to me about it because they haven't yet. So they should probably talk to someone that they're comfortable talking to about it to get past that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating, isn't it? It's, um, I know that, you know, you've, you've concentrated on, on this particular specialist field now for, for some time. What, what attracted you, attracted it to you or vice versa in the first place? How did I end up in, with pelvic pain as my thing? Yeah. Um, a doc, a little family practice doc in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I was, like I said, I started in neuro and that was really where my heart was, but then we moved again and there wasn't a good neuro place. So I was working just in a general outpatient clinic and 
this doc sent over a patient that walked in and said, and he looked like like the brawny guy. And I know there's a commercial here, a, a particular brand of paper towels. And it's this big guy that works with the huge trees and he's on all the plaid with the, you know, big beard bra. And he walked in and I was probably 29 at the time. He walked in and said, Doc Bailey said, you're going to show me how to have sex without my back hurting. Mm. And ah. <laughs> So that's how I got into pelvic pain. Um, it was, it turns out that was a mechanical back pain problem. I went and found the doctor and said, excuse me, <laughs> what did you just do to me? And, um, but it was a mechanical back pain thing. He'd been working really heavy loads. His back was stiff. I showed him some ways to, to, to get his back feeling better. And we talked about, you know, you don't always have to be the one on top. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What yeah. if you try some other positions and, so he did, and it was fabulous. And he went back to the logging camp and told all his buddies. So I had quite the following. And um, I started in, so I, basically I started in male pelvic, lumbo pelvic girdle problems yeah. um, of the guys that were lifting really heavy trees um, and pulling green chain, which is a really, really hard task. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then I went up to the doc and I asked him how come he never sent women. And so then he started asking his women patients with back pain if there were any problems with sex because they didn't typically volunteer it. And that's not often the same. <laughs> mm. So that's, that's how, because of Doc Bailey. Um, Gosh, and oh, it is just such a need. There is a massive, and, and you just said something there that, that just maybe have a sort of light bulb moment of, you know, females um, of, of an age who have back pain, you know, is it routinely asked, do you have pain while you're having sex? I bet, I bet it isn't, but actually maybe- It should be, and on the, on the Oswestry, the original Oswestry low back pain disability questionnaire, there is a sex question. Um, and it should be routinely asked because because it could be from your low back. It could be from cauda equinus syndrome. It could be because the muscles of your pelvic floor are in spasm and the doors are closed. And if you unspasm them, you won't hurt anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So absolutely should be asked. And of an, age, of an age would be, because you get to also ask, um, are, you, are, you in, are you sexually intimate or active? Yeah. And, um, Honestly, I would ask anyone 12 or older that, but that's my thing. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't ask them that if they were coming in for an ankle problem, but if they had any back or hip or pelvic issues, bowel or bladder problems, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So is that, that kind of is a, is a way in for, for people who might be thinking, wow, I, I, I'm not comfortable asking that, that question that the, as you're kind of, explore and, and we should all be exploring of course the the whole body not just the bit that, that hurts and the, and the history there um when, when you're getting to that you know if it is an ankle you say well how, how's the rest of your leg and hip and, and back well i get a bit of back pain and around your pelvis is that oh yeah that that's a well, new period well they can be painful was it painful having sex yeah so that you know there are there are sort of soft ways ways in i suppose oh super super that was really i'm going to use that phrase too there are very soft ways in they should be <laughs> They, um, the also period pain, that's been a thing where people assume that you might just be, you know, cursed as one of those people who's going to have horrible period pain. But there is, 
good emerging evidence that says that that can sensitize people to have larger pain experiences in the future than they might otherwise have had. So what if we did screen for that? What if you got any, you know, a young girl again, I'll say 12 or older and say, you know, just, just because do you get, how are you, this, that's going to, this is going to sound weird. And that's how I, this is going to sound really weird, but with your period, is it, is it really painful or do you manage that pretty easily? Yeah. Um, because if it's really painful, that can make other pain feel worse because your system's already ramped up. Yeah. So, which is a whole different message than, than certainly I got as a young girl of, well, if you're one of those people, good luck to you, Ooh. because there's nothing you can do about it. And you're just going to, you know, miss a couple of days of school every month and be miserable. But that's what we, that's the cost we pay for being able to have kids. Um, yeah. So it's a very passive approach to it. And we're finding, we, um, Dr. Frank too, here in Chicago and his colleagues are doing some really cool research on what it, what if instead of just passively accepting that we actually treat it mm -hmm. teach them techniques or or properly medicate them even with over the counter medication other than besides just passively saying hey you're a girl deal with it this is your lot in life what if we do that would they have less pelvic pain in the future would their back pain hurt less would could yeah. we maybe not sensitize these young girls um in their wow. pain system that's that's excellent that's excellent um because you know you, you, know, you and I, we, I like people are psychologically informed and we're probably both that but but also pain informed that's maybe a way that we can think of what we we share and um and that that kind of thing is so important um you know we we understand things like hypermobility or anxiety or past traumas but this is this is another one of those things where right? just kind of ticked isn't it yeah oh ooh, bad luck sorry about that no, no, anyway, i never thought like, of it it's... until i read his one of his papers and he mentioned it i was like i i i never thought of that like i read as much as i can i'm actually also female and have had periods and was told that as as a young girl it's like and i remember thinking hey mine aren't so bad i feel really bad for my friends but like like there's nothing you can do about it yeah and it's like why why are we why did we accept that that there's nothing we can do about this because there is and and you don't have to suffer and suffering's probably not helpful especially when you don't have to suffer it's like yeah there's a rock in my shoe but i'm just one of those people that get rocks in my shoe and yeah. i'll just learn to live with it yeah. and no let's not let's change it no that's that's awesome and and you know something that maybe we can we can really share out because you say the, yeah you know there is going to be there's always going to be pain and, and suffering um as a start point yeah that's going to for lots of different reasons but there's so many things we can do to to dampen down reduce that that suffering sometimes even eliminate the suffering yeah um, so oh, temporarily it. it might come back again in roughly 28 days but but then it, what if what if it's only a four out of ten instead of a 12 out of ten yeah it, yeah. across the lifetime that has to have a difference yeah yeah and that we could there was a program on over here last week which um which got a lot of you know rightly so coverage around the menopause so um yeah. you know, famous tv presenter over here davina mccall you know fronted it and and explored a lot of the issues around it and the stats and interviewed people and and 
you know, because again, you know, like periods, menopause, these kinds of things are just have just been so dismissed over the years. Absolutely. This is your, you know, this is this is it. This is the burden you pay for being a female. Just suck it up, deal with it. But, but also in general, generationally, it's shifting mm -hmm. because my age group, um, so 50 and older, um, absolutely, well, I'd say 50 to 60, absolutely refuses to stop. <laughs> like, like, because I still get it from both my sisters and my mom of, you're still running? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, badly at the moment, but yes. And, and well, are you ever going to stop trying? And I was like, why would I? And I will, you know, and they're just like, but there comes an age where you stop. It's like, no, dead. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll run better then. Um, the, but no. And so, because I, I know that, that people like 20, 30 years older than me of females, not many of them exercise regularly because it was expected that they would stop. Now I'm making a huge generalization to the people in my life. So I don't know if that's true. Like, because we just assumed this was much like periods. Yeah, well, you know, you're gonna get menopause and then everything falls apart and you'll be miserable forever, but it's okay because you already had your kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> thanks for reducing women to that, yeah. which is fabulous. And I love my children. And also that does not define me as a human. Um, so yeah, there's some big cultural shifts here. Um, and some of our some of our, our comedians that are roughly my age are not going quietly into that dark night, man. They are <laughs> no. Um, and so I think it's going to shift, yeah. but we got to get the other end of that lifespan shifted as well. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, just what you mentioned there about you know comedians, you know, comedy can be a really good way of getting some of these messages across if it's done in the right way. I mean, obviously. There's other comedy which puts the woman at the butt of the joke, and I don't mean that. What I'm talking about is is probably the one the comedians you're talking about there. Yeah, and like Elaine Miller. Home. Elaine Miller does a fabulous job. Um, she's, she's she's great. My my stand up routine on sex is not for public consumption because <laughs> it goes dark way too fast. I'm still working on it, but Elaine's done a fabulous job of of like comedy that 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 will not have her lose her license. <laughs> Overly crude. Um, but yeah, you, cause you can, you get people laughing and it relates to their life. And they, they're like, I recognize that. They recognize myself in that, or I recognize my friends in that. And it, it kind of takes the sting out of it because then you realize we're all in this crazy boat together and, yeah. um, and you're not alone. Yeah, it was it was very interesting watching the you know the reactions to to this particular program and um, you know and lots of calls for oh you should watch this or this group should watch it and and I just made the comment that that I think men should be watching it and and I I'd imagine you know, there were a good number of men watching it um, and and that's essential as well. Well, yeah, because you've got to understand what people are going through, or you know, like what does it mean to them. Does it mean to someone that now they're really uncomfortable just in their own bodies and and it's hard to get to go work out and get sore and sweaty and stuff when you're already sore and sweaty mm. um and and just that general discomfort we accept it with pregnancy 
and say, well, yeah, you know, your body's changing and, and let's help you modify all of these things. So that's like the one golden moment in a woman's lifespan where, mm. where everything bends around you to make your life more comfortable <laughs> and then not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you've got, you know, there was a number of messages around, you know, the, the having, you know, having children, and, and that being something that's very important to to women, and then and then you sort of fear. You think, well, some women obviously not in that position, and, and haven't been able to for for a bunch or of didn't, or didn't want to, or didn't want to, and made that choice. Um, so you, you you know, we can't just put it all on on that. You know, when talking about menopause and, and other things, we we need yeah. it for all access for all. Right, and I ask. So we were talking about asking about. Um, intimacy and sexual activity, uh, and also young, I ask young, and, and I ask everyone, because you can't just like pick and choose who you think might be, that's not right. And so I ask everyone, and, and I, um, regardless of age, the oldest was a lady, and I, I lost my clinical equipoise with her, but she was like 97, I think, and I asked her if she, you know, same question I ask everyone, are you still sexually active or intimate? And she said, yes, but it's getting harder to find partners. And I was just absolutely delighted with that. I was like, yeah. you go. Yeah. Because there are people, there's people out there that say, you know, like, like guys are expected to have sex forever. Yeah. And even have special medication to make that easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but there's all of these myths out there, like after 40, women aren't interested in sex anymore or, or, or they can't or all of these things. It's like, okay, so that's not true. And, it's just not true yeah and um and it does it's still supposed to be pleasurable sex is always supposed to be pleasurable it's never supposed to hurt boring is a a, a challenge as well like it's not supposed to be boring either that's supposed to actually you know be nice yeah yeah no you're right and and also the great t-shirt life's too short to have bad sex yeah that'd be a good t-shirt wouldn't it And then the clinic name on it. It would be fabulous marketing. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was um, when I was training to be a nurse and um, doing a home visit to this this elderly couple. Um, and um, vaguely, I remembered it, it was to do with the the husband's catheterization and learning to self catheterize and whatnot. And they would they would have been in their eighties for sure. Um, and and concluding the kind of the practical elements and the wife then saying uh, who's of a similar age saying oh well how do we um, how do we have sex at that point in my career I was I think about 19 and didn't know anything about anything and I'm not sure I had any any answers to that question at that time were you do you were you astounded that people over 40 had sex well, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably. I was trying, you know, like, whoa, what? really? Are you joking? You know, nursing homes are like one of the biggest. I'm friend, this is her comedy. This is one of her comedy routines. Nursing homes are one of the biggest um, uh, places to catch STDs because right. because you know no one's going to get pregnant. You don't hardly yeah. have to worry about that anymore, and and a lot of them are single and. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, why not? Why not? Tell you, gentlemen in a nursing home, man, that is a that is a position for life. Because <laughs> there aren't many of them, and and they tend to um, 
at least the joke is that they tend to have as many partners as they would choose to have. It's a problem in nursing homes and there's places that like won't let, won't, the, won't let the residents of nursing homes have sex. And <laughs> like what? I'm just seriously, of all the people who have earned you to just stay the heck out of their private lives. Yeah. That, it's not yeah. school. You know, it sounds like sounds like boarding school, doesn't it? Right. You kind um, of sneak out of your room and... Uh... I, I think, I suspect, no, I do not know, but I suspect there's a bit of that. And I'm all for it because it's really healthy for you. It's good mm -hmm. circulation, it's great muscle control, it's, you know, good for your heart. Yeah. All kinds of ways, provides meaning to life, should be pleasurable. Yeah, Always there's a lot more permission. pluses than minuses. Yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, with <laughs> you didn't know this is where we were going to go. Honestly, this is early <laughs> in the morning for me. Just imagine where these conversations go at night. Um, the it, it, sex is always supposed to be pleasurable. It's also always supposed to be consensual. So there really, I would say, normally isn't a downside. Um, but there's a lot that goes into that, like. Like, do you want to get pregnant or not? And make sure you're not getting pregnant then. And, you know, all of those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, I know we've sort of delved into different aspects of, of sex lives and things, but but hopefully, you know, people listening, it will kind of give them a, a sense of, of normalcy. There, there can be a lighthearted side, but also just the fact that these are really important conversations to, to be had at times. It would be, you know, what's important to you and the, my favourite also from an occupational therapist, question to ask in evaluations is what does better mean to you? Like, what is the thing that makes you feel like you are you? Yeah. And, and if it is an, an intimate relationship with their partner or going for a hike or being able to run or um, I wanna be able to stand in the kitchen and make my gourmet meals that I make without having to take 12 breaks because I hurt. and you know, all, all of those things fall into the same, what is the activity and interaction that's meaningful to you and how do I help you get there? Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just another activity of daily living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm familiar largely with your, your approach. You know, we've, we've chatted a fair amount and, and I've listened to you speak and, and all the rest of it. The, the approach that you take now, which I would just describe as, you know, is very human, very practical, very focused on, on that person. And as you said, you ask them what better means rather than telling them you're better because some score says so or something else. Um, because now you're only 2% disabled. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. But would, would you say that you've always kind of taken that sort of approach or did you, did you kind of learn it along the way? How, how have you developed? Um, I would like to think that I've always sort of taken the approach, but I know even over the last eight years since we opened Entropy, that my approach has changed. So I think always being human and, and trying to keep it centered on them and what's important to them was hard baked into me at my first job out of PT school. Um, and that was working with in a, in a hospital with um, acute spinal injury, head injury, uh, strokes, all neurological conditions, um, and HIV, oddly, that was all on the same floor. Um, and that was, that was hard baked into what we did. The, the how that happens, the words I use, those continue to evolve. 
um, I think that what's changed the most over my career is I have stopped doing things. Like I've stopped obsessing about posture. I used to do that a lot. <laughs> I had a posture stand with the proper foot placement so I could make sure they were always in the right place and the bars to set at different bony landmarks and things. I did that for a good, how long were we in? Uh, six years. And then I de-adopted that as more information came out and realized that uh, that probably doesn't matter as much as I used to think it does. And yeah. um, so I think that a simplifying and aiming for more elegance my approach is probably what's what changes over time. And then the words get better when I stop talking and start listening more. Yeah, yeah. And, and was there a particular person or, or time that, that you, you sort of thought, ah, oh, listening, that, that's important? Or again, was that just something that evolved? It, that, that was in the beginning as well, because <laughs> one of, um, I got to watch, I got to watch the extremes. Um, the occupational therapist that was my teammate was fabulous with it. His name's Clark. And I, I wish I could find him because really a lot of what I do, I learned from Clark in my first job. Um, but there was also this doctor who I loved and he was, a, if you need brain surgery, he is the guy, like take the trip. He was fabulous. Um, and but he would come into a room and he would ask someone these rapid fire questions and say, they're not responsive, then he'd leave. And five minutes later, the person would answer the first one because their processing was really <laughs> slow. <laughs> I would be like, so I'd go out to the, I'd listen and I'd go out, find the doc and answer all the questions for them. And so you might, you might want to just ask one question and then wait yeah. because they're getting there, but they're not there yet. And and what you're, what you're seeing is a lack of speed, not a lack of awareness. And that really, that really taught me that, that it can be in there, mm. but it hasn't found a way to come out yet. And sometimes I think with pain, that's because the person's just overwhelmed with all that stimulus. Um, I had a friend ask me once in a really rough time of my life, what do you do for fun? And that sensation of looking at them going, there is nothing but static in my brain. Like, yeah. I know I technically have answers for you, but wow, not right now. And, and that was really weird. And I think that, that not to put my stuff on patients, but I think that, that I see that, that hesitancy. That's why we um, made the photo cards. Um, the, um, they're, they're for back pain, the, for photographs of activities of daily living. Um, but the back pain ones don't really fit with pelvic health and Brownie Thompson out of New Zealand, fabulous lady. Um, she was talking about having them for New Zealand because that's different. The mm -hmm. Maori lifestyle is different than North American cleaning your gutters kind of thing. And, um, and I thought, wow, you know, I need some for pelvic health. So a, a student of mine made them for me. And um, so we have, we have cards. And so when you ask someone what's important to you, what do you want to get back to? And they give you that just absolutely blank look of like, I want to not hurt. Mm. I go, That's actually not a workable goal for me. I would need a task. What do you want to do? Who would you be if you're not hurting all of those kind of things? They still can get super blank. So we hand them that little deck of cards and say, uh, you know, pick seven or eight that are meaningful to you, put them in order from easiest to hardest. Yeah. And let's, let's use that. 
-hmm. and and it, it they're pictures so then you get to do like you do with kids you don't assume that that drawing is a horse because it could be a train <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me about it and you just just like well tell me about them what is what are what's meaningful about these to you what do they mean to you yeah. and and what's easy or hard about them and yeah. what do you think your likelihood of getting to them is? And those, those can create a conversation that lets me then start breaking tasks down and get all physical therapy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Give me something to work on and set goals and short-term goals and long-term goals. And I am very comfortable. <laughs> I can do this. Um, how, how, how do patients, people, patients in brackets after people, how, how do they take that? kind of approach um, in, in when they come to see you? Are they, are they happy to have these conversations or are they are there still people that say, well, yeah, come on, you know, when are we going to get to the real physio and, and you're going to do something to me? Um, some people are like that. And then, then I'm like, if you, you get a sense that they're just irritated by the questions, and then you just stop. And so I'll just stop and say, oh, you know what, let's, let's go look at how you get up and down this box. And because that's a thing you've already told me or, or let me show me again where it hurts. Let me take a closer look at that and, and just just switch. And then I can ask them more questions later. Yeah, um, because I don't need to go through a checklist. I can I can get to it. Yeah. Um, but some people are just really irritated. They want you to rub the spot and make it feel better because that's what PT is. Yeah. Um, and if I if I just make them mad, then then I have lost them. Um, so I'll push a little and then see what I can do to, to, to make them feel like they're being listened to because they are being listened to. Um, and okay, now how, cause I'm all, I'm big on like, I, I do a lot of manual therapy, but it's always, how can I teach you how to do this to yourself? Yeah. Like, does this feel good? Great. What are all the ways you could do this for yourself? Cause you do not get to take my hands with you. <laughs> and I would love you to do this three or four more times today for two or three minutes. So how are we going to work that out? And, and so I, sometimes I get into it that way. Yeah. But it's always, it's always a little different. It's not a checklist. It's not a little protocol you go through. It's the principles we follow to, to get them to feeling like themselves again. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's really the sort of mature clinician, isn't it? Because of course we're all taught to go through like these forms, you know, at the beginning and then, you realize how that's very inflexible and you don't always get what you need and it's just not satisfactory. You don't really know the person, that sort of thing. So, there are some things we need though. And I'll tell them, it's like, look, I get it. I get it. And I am going to work on you, but I got to know what meds you're on. And I got to know which doctor you want me to send this report to. And I got to know what else you've tried so that I don't just repeat something that didn't work for you. Yeah. So give me as concise of a version as you can and we'll get to it, but I need this information yeah and yeah and i can think of one patient that was like that she just like walks in and lays on my table and I'm like okay i get it and i need these things from you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah should i take should i take my clothes off as i'm sort of walking in the room and look, shirt backpack all right okay hold on hold on <laughs> yeah absolutely but we gotta we can't be rigid we, we can't be rigid yeah well, what do you call, do you, do you call them appointments or sessions or what, what do you call them with people? Meetings? Appointments. Yeah. 
your time? I don't know. I mean, the clients, patients, I call them patients because that's how I was raised in PT. Yeah. Um, people, mostly. And yeah. I think that's more, you see more of a person at 11. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have an appointment at 11. I have a person coming at yeah. 11. Um, yeah. It's, it's a language I imagine comes naturally to you, but then the, the difficulty comes when you're talking to, well, probably not Sarah as a colleague because she, she does this in the same way, but, but, you know, others, you know, other, other clinicians and doctors, if you, you know, you, you just say, oh, the, the patient, or you sent me a patient, or do you, do you, do you say to them, oh, you sent me this person? Um, person, um, person, the yeah. person you sent me. Yeah. yeah. It feels better. I, well, to me, it feels better. It's a, it's a person <laughs> instead, yeah. of, instead of this object. Yeah. I think I feel like, like patient objectifies, which in some cases that's very appropriate, but I am trying to work with the person and their internal and external context. And, and they are more than just a name on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're not, we're not just meat puppets. No. <laughs> So um, I, I know that you, you love to learn and, and uh, what, what, are you, what are you looking at at the moment? At the moment, I'm four days late getting a book to someone that I wrote, writing, looking at again, obsessing over. Um, so I've been a little focused on that and it's about sensory integration. So I've been reading a lot about sensory integration techniques, which I learned with pediatrics and, and I've made some leaps. Um, so I've been trying to, to read more about how our sensory system works and ways we can influence it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of what we do. Mm. And so in, in a practical way, what, what kinds of things do you do in the clinic? Uh, how do you sort of bring that to life? Proprioceptive awareness and touch. Um, like like being, being in your body, getting that, that all, all of the sensual awareness, like the, the lighting, the, 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 the feel of what you're touching, yeah. um, um, kinesthetic sense of a movement of, are we moving faster or slower? Is there load with this or not? Is it heavier light or you know, all those different things we can vary. Uh, so playing around with that. Yeah. Um, Melissa Farmer is a psychologist um, that works with pain. She's, um, she does a, has talked a lot with me about the like smells and light. And I can't do that here at the clinic, but people can do that at home. Well, I won't do that here at the clinic, but people can do that at home. And the reason I won't do it at the clinic is because sure as I go into a smell someone likes here, the next person that comes in isn't going to like it and it's going to trigger them. And I can't, I can't, mess with the space that way <laughs> people can do that at home um same with lights and things like that um because she's talking like the amygdala and and the processing centers and getting uh manipulating the the input from all of our senses and layering it together which is really kind of cool mm. oh. yeah that sounds that sounds really interesting the um the the pain side of things uh, I think sometimes when you say, oh, like, you know, I specialize in pain, right? And some people say, well, well, don't all, don't all physios deal with, with pain? Hopefully. Do, do, do we all deal with it well? Um, I don't know. And it's different. 
like some pain. I hurt my back trying to move, like fabulous muscle spasms. Like my back just said, no, I am done. Yeah. And it was not listening to any, sorry, Mick Becker, my neurological fallacying this all over the place. Um, it was not listening to anything I was trying to convince it to do. It just was a hard no. Um, and I know, okay, that's a muscle spasm. I could work through it. Nope, <laughs> apparently <Yeah>. not. <laughs> so I don't know, there's, there's, but it also had a clear cause and I knew it would go away. Mm. It was just highly inconvenient. Um, hurt <laughs> it was highly inconvenient um but that's different than my life i i now i'm gonna lose my job i got this thing i got you know it's so i don't know it's messy pain is messy yeah and it means different things to different people at different times and all of that makes what we do hard because we see a person at a moment in time and maybe another therapist would see them a year earlier and a year later and the 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 process and the outcome would be different than what we get to see. Um, yeah. That's yeah, a no, very that, philosophical no, no. comment of, I don't know. I only get to see the people I see at the moment in time I get to see them. Yeah. Um, but I, not, I wish that all physical therapists worked well with pain, but it would be dishonest for me to say that's true. Yeah, and I don't, I don't believe it's, I agree, but I don't think it's their fault, you know, it's, it's, there's a big yeah. issue with the education system, um, the, the lack of focus. The lack on of education, there's still the myths out there of you hurt because your sacrum's out of alignment, mm. um, that kind of stuff, or you're, you have a leg length discrepancy and that's how come your jaw's painful, um, there's all kinds of stuff like that, but, but also, like, I know that there's people I didn't help. The, that I tried my darndest and I couldn't change their pain mm. with them. Um, so in that instance, I did not work well with their pain. So when I say that, it's not like, a, oh, those people just don't know what they're doing. Pain is hard. And, and I, it would be, again, dishonest for me to say that every single person that I see, we have a fabulous success that lasts forever. No, right. I wish, I would love to, but... No, I'd be very suspicious of someone who, if they said that they they did, and pe some people do, they do say that they, they do, um, <laughs> and I, be suspicious. That's fair. Yeah, I think that ultimately, I think that we've always got things that that could potentially help everyone, but whether it does or not is another matter because there are so many hidden variables. There's so much stuff that we have. Like no it's two wheels to. going at different times, right? And if we happen to match, we're good. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a, there's a, there's in that way, I suppose, there's an element of, of luck. There's always something going on that we can't explain. Um, but we're just coming at it with the right, you know, with the right, I don't know, intent, perhaps. That would make um, such a fabulous marketing. Let's see how lucky we get with you. <laughs> yeah. If you come in on the right day and the right time and you're in the right mood and I'm in the right mood and the sun we is might. there and the stars are there, things will be great. Fabulous. You could say that about anything, couldn't you? Mm -hmm. A restaurant. You know, often I will com I, I compare physical therapy to, to restaurants. And, you know, you can go for a steak in a lot of different places, but you may not like it. And then the person that likes the place you don't like is quite happy with it. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're getting some kind of need met, aren't they? Whether it just be they kind of, 
they kind of like the person. I mean, you've probably heard this when someone comes along to see you and they say, oh, I've been, I was working with so-and-so and you might know them, you might not. And uh, they say they were really nice. And I had, you know, 947 seven sessions, but I didn't get any better. But I used to like going along and chatting. Um, so it's not a completely invaluable experience. It's that they were getting something from it, but they just weren't getting better in the way that they wanted to. Right, and that's why it comes back to that question of what does better mean to you? Mm. And how will you know when you're better? Yeah. Um, which is, doesn't fit in a lot of organizational systems. You know, If you score under 60% on this functional outcome measure, then you no longer need therapy. Yeah. What if you have not great, but you still can't do the thing that makes you feel like you? Yeah. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? And that that sort of gets very close to the definition of, or one of the definitions of, of suffering, isn't it? When you don't feel yourself as you perceive it. Because <laughs> all those cartoons, it's like, um, you know, what, what you think you look like when you look in the mirror and then <laughs> what you actually look like when you look in the mirror. Yeah. Oh, but, which can be good or, or not good or, yeah. Perception, yeah. perception's huge. It's fascinating. meaning is huge. It's fascinating. On um, last weekend, I had to go and have some headshots done. And it was quite, I don't know if you've had any done recently, but it was, it was interesting because um, I, I had to put on different shirts. And so I go into this other room and, and I'm pulling on a T-shirt, pulling it off. So your hair kind of, and I don't really pay too much attention, as, as you can see. Um, so the guy said, oh, you might just want to go and flatten your hair down a bit. And so I, I went and, and did that and I looked at him and I thought, well, that, that looks right. And then I go back and then you see the, the, the shots, the photos. And I'm like, wow, is that, is that what I look like? And of course, that's just my perception of that photograph. And it looks so different to me to the just looking in the mirror, but it's still my perception of me. Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's all again, these hidden states behind the scenes having some kind of influence on what I ultimately see. But it was really stark to me. It almost looked like two different two different people they had somebody i wish i could remember the artist did something where they did um like an like an artist drew the person as they saw them and then they put up some sort of screen and drew the person as the person described themselves yeah and and the pictures were very different um yeah yeah there's a lot that goes into that too because then yeah. you get all of, yeah, there's a lot. No, it's um, interesting, isn't it? Really, really interesting. But when you were talking, you were talking about your, your recent experience of back spasm, which, which I'm assuming was, was painful. Do, do you look after yourself in the same way that you look after other people? <laughs> uh, that's a very lovely question. I am probably harsher to myself than I am to other people. <laughs> I, use, I use not less kind words. Do you know how Laura Mosley does his talk with, you know, when, when he got bit, his whole, his whole um, comedy routine again about getting bit by the snake. He's so polite in his head. Mine's like, oh, swear word, swear word, swear yeah. word, <laughs> rah, 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 swear word, swear word. And so I always I like, do some self-talk and then laugh and say, okay, try that with an Australian accent. <laughs> Maybe yeah. <it'd> be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I think I'm probably meaner to myself than I would ever be to any other human, ever, I hope. Um, working on that. 
I did thank it. You know, it's like, okay, thanks back. <laughs> I know you're trying to protect me, but this is highly inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, I hear, and I'm sure you do as well, that, you know, the self-critic when people come along, when they're talking about their experiences or what they can't do, or the fact that they, they should be better by now. And, and oh, shooting all over yourself. Yeah. Blame themselves for, for it or for the way they think or the way they react. And, and they seem surprised when you, you say, look, it's not your fault the way you think. You didn't choose your mind. Or, or I just ask them the question, you know, when, when, when was it you went to that mind shop to choose the one that you have? Where, was that when you were like two or older? And they kind Minus of look in this weird way. Um, and then they kind of, then the penny sort of drops. Um, it's a, it seems to be a biggie. Yeah, and I, and... That's another philosophical thing. Where do those things get hardwired in us? Um, can we can we interact earlier in young people's lives to help them be better prepared for the bumps and bruises later on in life? Yeah, um, you know, resiliency and and anti fragility and all of that. Mm. Um, well, we can as a society. We could we could choose to integrate that into the education system um i I posted something the other day because i've been having a lot of thoughts about about this on linkedin and it got more hits and comments than anything i've ever posted before not that i get that many but but you know on this particular occasion there were um, i don't know it was heading up towards four thousand views and wow and um and, and whatnot and and it, and it really evokes some some reaction which i'm hopefully going to put into something something practical um but but we can choose to to educate youngsters about certain things like period pain like pain and what it is like and teach them tools and strategies and i don't think you have to be you know educated to a university level to to pass these things on and then we can help kids when there's exams or sports or other challenges or talking in front of the class or you know these are ways of you know adding a little bit of pressure but trying to make also element of safety and try this tool and see what it's like we can do that i'm sure there are teachers already doing it to be fair mm-hmm. um but i i think that we that we can in which case that's going to really help our job maybe we maybe we become obsolete maybe well no because there's always acute pain wouldn't it be fun if we only just help people problem solve through some acute pain well i wouldn't know what to do with that though <laughs> all pain starts with acute so you would you really would um but that was like, you know, yes, because the things I did for my back right away are super simple. They're like what I cue people, you know, I just like, all right, all right, what do you do with a spasm? Well, do those things as often as you need to and, and just work through it, um, but kindly and compassionately, even though possibly with a lot of swear words in my head, um, but still persistence and all of that. But it comes with education. There was nothing magic about that that was physics and time and 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 listening to your body's hard no like okay then what are all the other ways i can get this stuff done um yeah since you're not letting me do this back how do i get the task done and and still take care of myself yeah yeah it's that balance isn't it you, you might want to go at a million miles. Because <laughs> the truck coming was coming on Thursday. There was no option of not having things packed. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? You know, moving house. It's, it's there's all sorts of things going on. Right, and I'm sure the 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 context has a lot to do with that as well. Um, but I couldn't clone myself and put myself in different contexts and see <laughs> if my back would have felt better in one or the other. Yeah. Um, that would be fun to do. Yeah. The world does not need two of me. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> be a mess. I think one of us is fine for all of us. Um, too much of a good thing and all of that. Um, yeah. Uh, it's fun. I mean, pain is fascinating. It is horribly painful <laughs> but it is but it is fascinating like the stuff with the to go back to to COVID the with the getting the vaccines and the the absolutely weird and wonderful response to the vaccine that's like I'm fine I'm fine I am not fine I'm fine <laughs> it was like whoa what a fabulous immune system it just said I got stuff to do you're going to take a nap um, yeah. and, and there was no negotiating with that. It was just going to sleep now. And yeah, um, the pain's kind of like that. It reminded me a lot of it. It's like, I don't want to, this does not fit my schedule. Huh? guess I don't have a choice here. <laughs> yeah. Wants and needs, isn't it? You know, they, they yeah. can be at odds because of our culture, our society and our desires and, and drives and things. And Perhaps, perhaps one message there then is, is that, you know, that we, we just need, it sounds obvious, isn't it, to, to look after ourselves better. You know, that is profound and hard because it means we have to allow, oh, I'm so speaking to me right now. It means we have to allow that we are important enough to carve out time in our day for that. Um, and that, that can be a thing, like a whole entire thing. But sleep, sleep is the one, and I know you and I say the same on this one. Uh, you, you have to sleep. That's the non, the main non-negotiable is you must get sleep. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so definitely take take that one away as a as a key, a key message for sure. And it's interesting. There was a um, a report in New Scientist last week about. A paper looking at, at jet lag and and how and this won't be a surprise of course that it's if you worry about jet lag it's going to be worse than if you don't you know <laughs> okay. to you and i that makes complete sense and but i think it's very similar with with sleep isn't it that the people get so stressed and worried about the fact they're not sleeping that that, that is one sure way of not sleeping um as opposed to just thinking well actually lying in bed with my eyes closed and maybe doing a little bit of breathing or whatever is a very good second best because I'm still in a kind of restful state. Yeah. Peaceful, easy, again, in a safe environment. Um, you know, do you, do you have a safe place to sleep? Is it safe for you to, to go unconscious for some hours? Yeah. Um, That's a great way to put it you know what if it's not what if you, you ask them that it's you know do you feel if, if you're like not aware of your environment for seven hours how does that feel to you there are probably people that would be like mm -mm. <laughs> that, that's not okay yeah um, and, it, and it might not be okay because of what's happening now because i'm you know 
pressures from work is a classic or relationship issues but but equally that might all be fine but but there's still something from the past that still makes it not safe yeah or or i can't there literally isn't time because of other commitments that i have or um or my environment isn't safe or it's too loud or too bright or or i hurt too much yeah um yeah, all, all of those. So, so when you're working with people around sleep, are, are these are the kinds of things that, that you talk to them about. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I know what are all the ways? What are all the ways you could get um, that sleep could be more comfortable for you? Like, are there things that we could do beforehand that that you could start creating an environment that made sleep better? Is there something you can manipulate in your environment so that the room that you're sleeping in is more conducive to your sleep? Um, you know, lights and sound and things like that. Some people do really well putting an audible book on and fall asleep to that. Other people that would keep them awake. So you have to, again, it goes back to that same thing is you have to ask them what, like here are some options, what's gonna work best for you? Yeah. Yeah, rather than just telling them. Do this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe like one out of every, however many people I did that to, it would work, but the rest would not be happy with it. And the saddest thing about that is that if you hand someone that here's the protocol you must follow to be successful and it doesn't work for them, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Does that mean they can't be successful? Yeah. And because they did your magic six exercises and they did everything you told them to do and they're worse or there's no change. Yeah. Does that mean they're stuck with it forever? Yeah. And I think that because I have to, Sarah calls it unscaring people. I have to do that way too often of people who have heard something, read something, tried something. And, and to them, it means that now this is all they can be. That's the best they can hope for. Mm. And there are people who have told them that like, this is the best you're going to get. You will need to keep coming to see me to stay at this level Ooh, or it's going yeah. to get worse. Ooh. I know, right? And they feel, and they feel that they, they failed if they, they've done the, the six or they've seven. They've done it wrong. Man, there's something oh, wrong with me. Yeah, I did failure your six, I am. Exactly. I did your six magic exercises. I didn't get better. So I suck. Yeah. And, and not that this program wasn't designed for me. Um, like imagine if what I did was right, you know, all the things that I did to help my back when I heard it, that is what everyone must do for their back. Mm. And, and, and then that's it. Do this. It's, it's the cure for back pain. And if you don't do it right, you won't get better. There was someone at a conference that I will not name the name of the conference um, that was standing in the front of the stage saying that if your patients aren't getting better, it's because you need to come take my classes again because you have forgotten how to help them or they just can't get better. Wow. <laughs> like, okay, neither of those things are true. Like, neither of those things are true. But Did anyone standing... call them out on it? Absolutely not. Oh. Um, and, and I was just like texting one of my friends, this is why I get bad. Like this, right here. Yeah. This makes me angry. Um, because then, no, that's, that's not a thing. No. Yeah, I think our, our profession has kind of 
has allowed that kind of thing to be said at, and have a mouthpiece for it as well at a conference. I mean, it's incredible. And the saddest, the saddest, most horrible thing is when that's considered good marketing. Yeah. Yes. Like we should all emulate that. No, we should not. No, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, you know, when, you know, the message, I know that the messages you put out are, are you know, from, from the heart and from what you know and what you're trying to do. Um, whereas someone else will put out the sharp messages, the, the marketing style messages about what they offer and, you know, offering a, a pain-free life and all this stuff. And, I'm, and, and you know, you, you sort of feel that you can't compete with it, but there's no way that you're going to put out that same message. I do get frustrated. I have really good friends who, when I get frustrated and on that edge of screaming, um, talk me back. Um, but I could totally, I mean, we're blue in an, totally blowing an opportunity. I could say, I have the cure for moving back. <laughs> you know, text neck, I have moving back. And I know exactly how to fix it in a week. I can absolutely eliminate your back pain in one week with my magic formula for moving back. But I couldn't do it. I would sleep very poorly at night out of just a distaste for my whole entire way of being. But you also put enormous pressure on yourself to, to deliver that if you're conscientious or if you're more of a psychopath, you wouldn't care anyway. <laughs> I like that. Yes, you wouldn't. No, you'd be very proud of yourself for having a clever marketing tool and look Look at how much money you can make off of that. And then if the person hadn't got better, you just blame them anyway. Absolutely. They just didn't do it right. Yeah. It's their fault. And if it was a clinician trying to help them, then they need to come take my advanced level course. Yeah. Hashtag loser. Yeah. You know? and, if, and if that doesn't work, then you come and do my very expensive one-to-ones. Oh yeah. You're going to have, you're going to have to come for an intensive then because clearly you are not getting this information yeah. and it's, it's a problem for you and, and I can help you with that yeah mm -hmm. we'd be rich absolutely fabulously rich yeah but it's, we couldn't get no we we would but we just wouldn't be this we wouldn't be who we are <laughs> no. as my friend said i said you could but i suspect the people you respect would respect you less yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. so, so thankfully we're not, not thankfully worth we're, it doing something different in, in the way that you know, hopefully yeah, and, 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 and helping people help themselves, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, because that lasts longer. That gives them the ability to go, oh, shoot, I'm starting to feel this thing. And wait, I have skills to put into place right now to try and turn this around. Yeah. And if I can't turn it around, I know someone I can talk to to help problem solve a new way to turn it around. Yeah. Um, but they have that inherent in that thought process is this can get better. Yeah. Um, instead of, oh, great, this is my life now. Um, I just have to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's, uh, that would be a miserable way to live. And unfortunately, a lot of people are in that because of things that they've heard um, and, have, and have been told. But that's why you're doing this, because you're changing that's the world fine. with that. Yes, and that's what we're trying to do, isn't it? We're trying to say, look, there's, there's great hope because there are lots of different things that, that you can do and we'll help you and share what we know so that you can hopefully shape something more positive. And because the cool thing is that if, if my way of looking at pain in the world and things to do doesn't work, 
that's fine. It means, okay, cool. Here are some other people that come at it from another way. One of those will work. Yeah. But something, something will help. You just start somewhere and problem solve your way through it. Of, okay, I liked this part of this, but the rest of it didn't really sit with me. So how can I take that information and, and grow it um, so that I get better? Yeah. Instead of, well, that didn't work. And people say that she's really good at it. So if that didn't help me, then I can't get better. No, you just, it's not my words. And, and I am really lucky because I can like put someone on Sarah's schedule and, and they're like, oh, this makes sense. And you just sit there going, I swear I said the same thing, <laughs> but okay. Those hidden variables. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Because <laughs> the main, the main thing is we want to get people back. It, it, it may not be me. It, and you know, I just joke and say like, I could look like someone's second grade teacher that they hated and no matter what I say, it's not going to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, and they, they might, need they might not like beards. Right. Yeah. Um, ooh, brown hair, bleh. You know, who knows the kind of thing that, that, that is in all of that, how stuff gets filtered through. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, I, I'm looking forward to your book now. Yeah, <laughs> so is the publisher. <laughs> <laughs> How how long have you got? Um, like last Monday. Oh, right. <laughs> so you're kind of in minus time. That that feels familiar. Yeah. Um, I like to work on minus time too, but uh. <laughs> I had a, a a person I saw once. Um, <laughs> we had very very busy and was saying that that they needed a pocket universe to be able to finish the task, and then pop back out without losing any time. And they, they knew how to make one, but the problem was they would need one to make one. Yeah. And so the paradox of why we do not have pocket universes is because that particular physicist does not have one. And then they have no time in which to make them for anyone else or for themselves. <laughs> can I watch your kids? How can I give you some time? What can I do for you? Because <laughs> I'd really like one of those. But yeah. Oh. And we just do what we do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the publisher is quite keen on having it uh, done by the end of the month, so I am I am confident that it will be. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. That'll be good. That'll be very good indeed. And so, listen, where where can people um, follow you and, and hear about what you're up to? Um, well, entropy.physio is our website, and we are just now scheduled back for classes in person. Yay! Brilliant. If you are vaccinated, you can come to the clinic for in-person classes and we'll continue them live as well for people around the world that can't get here. Yeah. Um, and so there, and if you're in Chicago, pop by, we are in Lincoln Park, but also I kind of live on social media on Twitter and it's Sandy Hilton PT. Um, probably the easiest way, or if you want to email, it's sandy at entropy.physio. And I love talking to people, so yeah, it's great. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll put all the links on the on the page anyway, so people can uh, can find you. And um, it's been brilliant to catch up. So much fun. Yeah, we'll get to do it in person again someday soon. Yeah, well, I hope so because um, I uh, you very kindly asked me to come over um, before, and and it was brilliant. I loved I loved your city. I loved your practice, and it was it was great to see you guys. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Same. So keep up, keep up the good work. Absolutely. You too. This is fabulous. Good stuff. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.